You're listening to the Heart and Soul Podcast, where we celebrate vulnerability and shameless living. No topic is off limits when you're chatting with your besties. Let's own our worth and walk empowered towards truth together. Hey, y'all. Welcome to episode 29 of Heart and Soul Podcast. Hope y'all are having a wonderful week so far. Chelsea and I are online with Jeremy Rayford via Zoom. So she's in Greenville, North Carolina, where our good friend Liz Brantley, who was on the podcast a few weeks ago at the same church as, as Liz. And she's going to join us for our intro and happies and crappies, and then we'll get to know her a little bit. Hey, Jer. Hey. Hey, Chels. <laughs> I just realized how awesome your shirt is too, Jer. Oh, thank you. I it love is, that. It is really awesome. It says, for all you people, because you can't see her, it says, God is dope. <laughs> Which he is. He is. True. There's two people ordering one now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's let's get into our happies and crappies, and then let's get to know Jer after that. Does anybody want to start? <clears throat> uh, I can start, I guess. Okay. Um, my crappy is that uh, I just have not been sleeping well. Um, it's starting to get a little harder to get comfortable these days. So, um, that's a bummer, but I've just been sleeping late (laughs) until like 10 AM, which is crazy. Um, but Chelsea's like nine months pregnant. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There it is. (laughs) Um, yeah, so that's been a little hard, but I've just kind of been letting myself like sleep in and not feel guilty about it. Um, and then my happy is we had a really great weekend. My parents came into town and then my brother came with his little family for the day on Saturday because they headed down to Curie Beach for the week. So they came and like stayed with us for the day while they waited for their house to be ready. And got to play with my little nephews in the pool and have a really fun day and yeah it was just a really chill weekend and then we had some friends come over yesterday to just chill in the pool play some games and it was nice no work just just fun yeah it looked really cute all your um videos on instagram of your family being there someone wrote to me and they were like Oh my gosh, I feel like such an idiot. I thought I like totally missed something and that you had your baby and that was who we were holding. <laughs> I was like, no, he's like eight months old. So <laughs> a big baby. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, good. I'm glad you had a good weekend. Um, my happy is we went to like the Boone area this weekend with uh, Michael's family. They're, they're in town. And it was really just relaxing, um, came at the perfect time. We haven't left Wilmington, like even on a road trip since February, like before all the, um, quarantine stuff. So it was just nice (laughs) to not be here for just like a weekend. Um, and it was gorgeous. We stayed in this like Airbnb cabin in like the middle of nowhere, but the views were really cool. Um, we really just like, we went on a hike. And then we really just like stayed home at the cabin, played board games and grilled out. And it was just really relaxing. It looked Uh, really beautiful. Yeah, it was gorgeous. Um, It was crazy though. I kept thinking, and I don't know if we have any listeners from like super small towns, but I was like, I don't know if I could live in this small of a town. Like it is, it's not just a small town. Like it was like maybe a thousand people in this, in this like area, maybe. And if you, you were outside of Boone? Yeah, we were like 30 minutes outside of Boone. And, That's um, where um, Jordan's family mountain house is. It's like 30 minutes south of Boone. Is it in Todd? No, it's in West Jefferson. Okay, this is in Todd, North Carolina, which... I don't know where that is. Um, yeah, so that was my happy. It was a great weekend. And they're still here. Uh, they'll be here tonight. Today's Monday when we're recording this, but they'll be here till tomorrow morning. So we're going to go like out to eat tonight and one last hurrah at the beach. Um, and then my crappy is I, I feel like really cryptic right now, but I went to the doctor and got some tough news that, um, I can't really share right now, but I don't have Corona. I'll just say that. Mm -hmm. And, um, yes, that is good. 
Um, so if y'all are listening, just want to say an extra prayer for my body, that would be really great. Um, but nothing like super scary. So I'm going to be fine. I just, um, been like anxious thinking about that all weekend, which is why the, the or the retreat away from Wilmington was also like super perfect timing, really refreshing and a way to kind of get my mind off some things, but yeah. What about you, Jer? It's my turn. Okay. Um, (laughs) I think I'll start with my crappy. Um, even though this week has been like full of some super exciting times and celebration and friends, any time that I'm just like off my regular routine of things, um, I just have a lot of anxiety. So trying to, you know, combat that while also like giving myself space to relax and be around people and celebrate, um, that was just annoying, but it wasn't too crappy because I'm, I'm used to dealing with it, but that was a low. Um, but my happy was just this week has been so awesome. I was really, I'm this person that just doesn't like getting older as crazy as it sounds. I feel really old that I just turned 26 and I realized that that's not that old to some people. Um, but this was, I mean, I feel like I've had the most growth spiritually, physically, mentally, all of the above in year 25. And so, um, I was actually very, very excited to start a new chapter and um just being surrounded with my family and friends and having like 27 different birthday (laughs) parties this week was fun and then my sister um my youngest sister we're 13 years apart um so she became a teenager yesterday so I went home a little bit too and just like spent some more time with my family and so having all that just this week of celebration was really awesome y'all are 13 years apart yeah how many siblings do you have I have a six total. No, no, I'm the oldest of six. So for my mom's uh, marriage, there's three more girls. And then my dad has a boy and a girl. So so yeah. one boy, five girls. Yeah. Wow. I always tell my mom that like when, because she had me when she was 22. So I had a young mom because when I was in kindergarten, like she was 27. But my other sisters, I'm like, oh, y'all have an old mom. She's like, <laughs> <laughs> kindergarten, she's like 40. But that's funny. <laughs> Well, um, that's a good transition. We'll um, get to know you a little bit better now. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Just a short, um, brief way that I know Jer or our connection is through um, Liz Brantley, who was on the podcast a couple weeks ago, and Carly Fink, who's going to be on the podcast in like a month. Um, I just talked to her like 30 minutes ago. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So yeah, like there, did y'all know each other from UNCW? Or like, how did you get connected? So I know Liz through ECU. Right. And Ignite. But then how'd you meet Carly? Just through Liz? Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. I didn't know if like you transferred to ECU or whatever from. I didn't meet Carly until um, Liz moved to Wilmington and moved in. Wow. Cause y'all really hit it off. That's, yeah. that's cool. Well, yeah. So she's um, super connected with Ignite Church, which we'll get into where um, Liz works. um, And she also works there part-time. But before we get started, I kind of just want you to give an overview of like who you are, maybe things that you do in your day-to-day life and um, maybe where you're from, just so our listeners can kind of get an idea of um, who you are before we get into the, the meat. Of course. So I am from Fayetteville, North Carolina, which a lot of people know because of J. Cole, Um, but grew up there, uh, born and raised there, literally have the biggest of biggest families. (laughs) Um, And it's funny because I get the question all the time, uh, does everybody in your family sing? Because that's like one of the first things that people know about me is that I love music and I love singing and everyone like generations down, cousins, second cousins, third cousins, like I just come from a family of singers and musicians. So that was something that I have been surrounded by my entire life. And so, you know, grew up really pouring myself into that um, in many different ways through church, um, always sang in church. Uh, My family actually in the 80s recorded um, gospel albums 
Uh, they were like a touring, they won this big contest that McDonald's used to put on in the eighties, this gospel contest. And they won and got like a record contract and all these things. So um, singing in church and, and just being a worshiper in that way is in my blood um, on both sides, on my mom and dad's side. So um, did that a ton through middle and high school and um, always had that passion just for a lot of different genres. Like I sang, I think like the first talent show that I ever sang in, I sang Jesus Take the Will by Carrie Underwood and she was my favorite singer. Um, yes. Growing up. And so I loved her music. I loved, I mean, oldies. I loved theater. There was just really nothing that I didn't, I just poured myself so much into that. That was my outlet um, growing up. And so um, I decided in high school for the longest time, I wanted to study political science for whatever reason. Don't ask me why, because I don't know. And, um, I think I was just running away from wanting to study music um, just because, I don't know, the stigma of like, you know, starving artists and, you know, you not necessarily being able to have a real um, income and just like really be successful as a singer. Mm -hmm. um, and so I went to ECU, Go Pirates. Um, studied music education, and I Wrigley <laughs> <laughs> is um, amening your. Yeah, we're getting a, a UPS package right I'm now. Loving it. <laughs> she had to say her part. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, it's funny because I went to ECU wanting to study vocal performance, and I didn't necessarily know you know, what I was going to do with that. And um, I was kind of steered in the direction to do music education because if that, if performing didn't work out, I could just be a teacher. Mm -hmm. So I studied education, not necessarily wanting to go into education, but when I graduated, that was kind of the easiest route to go. And um, so I taught for three years, but all the while I was leading worship here in Greenville um, from when I was 18 at Ignite and graduated and really stayed in the area because of my ties to the church and wanting to stay in this area and the family that I kind of built here. Um, but yeah, I did that for three years and um, I'm not sure if you want me to like how much you well, want to go into. That's, that's awesome. I'm going to pause you real quick because I want like our listeners to know like just how phenomenally gifted you are at singing. I've only heard you live, I think, once when I went to Ignite with Liz. Mm -hmm. And then um, Liz will send me, like, YouTube videos or whatever clips from Ignite. And one time, I'll never forget it. I was going through a breakup. This was, like, I mean, before Michael, so four, four years ago at least. And um, she sent me you singing. I'm pretty sure you were singing Pieces mm -hmm. by Amanda. Is it Amanda Cook who sings that? Yeah. Um, and I lost it in like the best way. It was like healing for me to hear your voice tell me how worthy I am, especially after a breakup where you feel like you're not, like you feel kind of rejected. So I, I just want to encourage you and let you know, like even me who's only heard you live once and via video a couple of times, like you're anointed and you have like such a gift for, for music and your voice like really does rock people where they are, where they're at. Um, so we'll have to like post a clip or something of you singing so our listeners can hear, but it's phenomenal. Thank you so much. I actually remember, I feel like you told me, um, a little bit about that, uh, in Wilmington for a Galentine's. It was Galentine's. Yeah. We did like a dinner together and it just like got, it was like the, all the timing, you know, Valentine's day breakup, your yeah. voice, that song. I was like, <laughs> Um, okay, so we'll get into now a little bit about what you're doing now. I know you stayed in Greenville and you are pursuing music via the church that you were involved with in um, college, which is Ignite. So can you tell us a little bit about your role at, at Ignite and kind of what you, what your life looks like there now as a employee instead of a student? <laughs> really, it's, it's just really awesome because I think that, you know, being on staff here was something that I wanted for a really long time. I just didn't necessarily know how it was going to happen. And it was totally, I mean, totally random to me, but obviously God knew um, what he was doing. But I am the worship assistant here. 
So I basically um, assist the worship pastor with rehearsals and um, scheduling songs and our set list and um, really just developing a strong culture of worship here at our church and helping lead uh, spiritually the people on our team. Um, it's just been really cool because I, beforehand, you know, I would come to rehearsal and I would sing and lead, but I didn't really know a lot about <laughs> that goes into really um, being a worship pastor, which is like eventually to me, the long-term goal of what I want to do. Um, so it's been really awesome to learn just more things about technology and production and, you know, all the things that go behind the scenes of being um, or stewarding a, a worship team at your church. Yeah. So is that what you want to do? Like long-term dream yeah. to be a worship yeah. pastor? I feel like I don't have like a, I feel like I have, you know, what I want to do, but it's not necessarily a cookie cutter like thing. Um, but just the vision that I have for myself is leading worship, writing songs, recording songs. Um, I'm not sure in what capacity that's going to happen or what exactly that will look like, whether that is, you know, doing things on my end on my own independently, or um, I've also gotten the opportunity to do like master classes and traveling things and helping different churches um, grow their programs. I don't know if it's going to look like that. Um, I don't know if it's going to look like me being a worship pastor at a church, but as long as I'm doing those three things, then, then that's like the goal. So do you write your own music? I do. It's funny because I'm not like super confident in that. Um, I'm growing into that for sure. Um, but one of the songs that we actually sing a lot, um, at church is one of, um, my original songs called You Alone. And it's, it's really awesome, um, getting to be a part of what's happening at my church right now, because I feel like, you know, we weren't really writing our own songs a lot. We were kind of, but not really. There, it was, you know, very sporadic and far and few in between. But, um, just recently, I think probably in the past, like six or seven months, we started, um, after worship team practice, just bringing some original things that, that God was giving to us. And, um, I mean, I'm probably going to say the wrong number, but at this point we probably have like seven, like we're building to be able to, to record things and have started that. So, um, I've been writing some, our worship pastor has been writing, um, some other people on our team, um, have been writing songs. So, um, it's really just all happened in the past year or so, but, um, I, I think I, the song You Alone, my friend Nia won Miss America last year, and I was driving to her homecoming in Winston-Salem, and um, my current car does not have radio, so I get very creative in <laughs> things that I do on long trips. <laughs> and so I was just singing this melody, uh, and I, I was like, oh, I kind of like that, and I recorded it on my phone. And um, it was almost exactly a year later when we started having these, you know, worship um, songwriting sessions. And, um, my worship pastor, Chris was like, yeah, just bring whatever you got. And I was like, I don't write songs, but I'll just come and like, see what you guys do. And maybe it can help me. And, um, I went through my voice notes and I found, you know, me singing this random melody in the car. And so I bought that and it actually like perfectly matched up with music that one of our musicians had written, but he had no lyrics and I had lyrics, but no, you know, music. And so we combined the two and it like fit perfectly. And, um, that's how I kind of like got my first <laughs> full song. Wow. That's so cool that you had the words and he had the, yeah. the music and it all came together. Yeah. It's like, like Taylor Swift. Which elevation. Is, oh yeah. Like elevation where they record, like their own, you know, music like they're known for their original mm-hmm. songs and that must be like the coolest feeling ever hearing a congregation sing your words mm-hmm. it's really cool yeah that gives me chills yeah it's amazing but I it's it's all the Lord and not me because <laughs> it's like when I actually try to put a pen to paper sometimes it's like blank but then you know I feel like that would be a lot of pressure of like, I'm going to write a song. And then it's kind of like when you, to start an essay, like if you're in school, like starting it is the hardest part. And then once you get the flow or get some inspiration, but like writing music is so much more intimate and personal that you're like, 
I don't know if I want to. It is. It really is. But every time I like try to sit down and write one, it doesn't. It doesn't work like that for me. Um, it does for some people, and I feel like it might get like that as I become more seasoned in songwriting. But for the most part, it's just like me in prayer or me, you know, doing whatever and yeah, and going with it. Well, you kind of mentioned Miss America, so. <laughs> Let's transition to your involvement in beauty pageants because you've been competing for years now, right? Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about your journey with beauty pageants and we'll get into the weeds of that for a little bit. Okay. Um, So I competed for the very first time um, like in a pageant in general. And I get this question a lot just because of how well I was able to do this past year at Miss North Carolina. like, have you been doing pageants, like, since you were, like, three or four, and, or whatever, um, and actually, my mom hated pageants, like, she hated the idea of it, like, she just did not like it, um, and I begged her to do my school pageant, and so it was, like, the only reason she let me do that is because it was, you know, tied to school, and, um, I did that, and I won, like, for my class at the time, and so I think I kind of got bit by the pageant bug. I just liked, you know, being on stage in whatever capacity it was, I just really loved it. And so, um, so I did that. I started, I mean, I think that was when I was 15 and I did a couple of pageants here and there, um, after that, but I wasn't really successful <laughs> at it. Um, and so I got to college and I was kind of like, yeah, I'm not really kind of done with pageants. It would be really cool to go to Miss North Carolina, but I don't, just because my confidence was kind of broken, um, by some things that had happened at, at a local, uh, pageant in Green, and not in Greenville, uh, growing up in Fayetteville, um, that I really wanted to win so badly, but could never, I never won. Um, I was like, I'm just done. It's just not for me. I'm not good at this. I'll just focus my energies elsewhere. And, um, I actually had two Miss North Carolinas, um, sing in chamber singers with me. So I was in ECU chamber singers at ECU and best of all in Arlie Honeycutt, we're both Miss North Carolinas and Sang Soprano, and we all had the same voice teacher too. It was like all these com- commonalities, and um, they were like, I mean, it was really early. It was like, oh my gosh, like you have to compete. You have a talent. I mean, I've gotten you know this much scholarship money. She had probably gotten around like twenty to thirty thousand dollars in scholarship money, paying wow. schooling, um, and so she was like, you should just give it another try. And so I think I did. It's customary for girls um, when they want to go to Miss North Carolina. There's several different preliminaries based on your area that you can compete in, and so it's customary that if you don't win one, that you keep competing to like win until you can, you know, get to the last pageant. If you don't win, then you just try again next year. But you keep competing until you get your chance in Miss North Carolina. And so I did one pageant a year, <laughs> which was not customary, um, but I never even placed uh for those three pageants i think i did miss goldsboro um twice and miss fateful once and i never placed but i always won the talent award and talent was 35 percent. so i was like something is wrong here <laughs> like i am not even like getting second third runner up i'm just like walking away with nothing and um again closed that door that i'm not going to compete anymore um and it was in 2018 when I realized that Miss Wilson was having a pageant. And so that was relatively close to me because there's no um, pageants in Eastern North Carolina. There's none in Greenville. And so Wilson was pretty close to me. And I had always thought once you graduated college, you didn't compete anymore, but you could actually compete until you were 24. And so I said, okay, well, I'm just going to give this a try and, you know, get an interview coach, like work on the things that I need to work on. And I did that pageant and I won and um, I went to Miss North Carolina and it was a great experience. Um, And I did not place. Um, I did walk away, I think, with about 3,000 in scholarships because of my uh, preliminary talent award. Um, But, you know, that was like I got to compete at Miss North Carolina and um, that is a goal that I get to check off, you know, the box, check the box. And um, then the age at the time was 24 and um one of my friends um that competed actually wrote Miss America uh, for them to raise raise the age and they raised the age to 25 so i had another year that i could compete 
And for the longest time, I was like, no, it's, I'm old. <laughs> like, all these girls are, like, 18. The average age of, the, of Miss North Carolina is, like, 22. And I'm sitting here, like, a teacher. I'm a third-year teacher at that. I just need to let it go. And then I just felt, like, this pull that I just needed to try one more time. And the worst, if the worst thing that can happen is I walked away with some more scholarship money that I can put on this student debt that I have. And so I did that. And um, I just... I just really focused and, and tried to make myself the absolute best competitor that I possibly could and um, walked away with two preliminary awards and one first runner up and I mean literally cut my student loans in half. I earned over $13,000 in scholarship. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's crazy to think about now, um, but it really was like an incredible journey for sure. So let's talk about the journey. I'm sure that there's a lot of, like, how do I word this? Confidence crushers and confidence boosters in, in the beauty pageant world. Mm-hmm. How did that affect, because, you know, we talk a lot about body image here and about finding self-worth outside of who you are on, or what you look like on the outside. Uh, but in the pageant world, that's a big part of it. Right. But then there's also the talent, the interviews, all this other stuff that boosts your confidence from an internal position. So what was that like for you? Like, did you battle that at all or? Yeah, I, um, I'm surprised I didn't say this earlier when I was talking in the beginning, but I uh, was born with very severe scoliosis and um, I, it was caught at seven and I was having to have surgery by 10. Uh, which is very young to have a spinal fusion surgery, but m- my curve was getting so bad that they had to correct it before it could get any worse. Uh-huh. And so because of that, my just body shape is not, you know, the quote unquote ideal body shape for pageants. And um, the first year that I competed, there was swimsuit competition. And um, that was another reason that my mom didn't like it, but she came around eventually. <laughs> me and wanted to support me but um it was just very hard because I knew that no matter how much you know I ate right and worked out and you know got my body to the best that it could be it still wasn't going to be the image that they were looking for and there was nothing I literally nothing that I could do um to make myself into that mold mm-hmm. um so that was really hard. And they say that, that they, their judging is subjected to the person and that, you know, they don't compare and, you know, as long as you look fit, but at the end of the day, like, you know, the girls that right. awarded with swim, the swimsuit award and the girls that score the highest are the ones that fit this mold. Um, and so that was something that I really, you know, had to work on in myself because, I mean, when you're lined up in a swimsuit with 10 girls, you're obviously, it's hard um, to not compare yourself, not size yourself up with the, with the other girls in the competition. But, you know, I just, through that, I just honestly just tried to make myself proud, if that makes sense. Like with my fitness, with my eating, I didn't try to think about, you know, because our swimsuit, even though we are walking around in a swimsuit, it's called lifestyle and fitness competition. It's supposed to be a, you know, reflection of how we are in our everyday life. And so my goal in that was just to make myself proud um, with my eating habits, with my working out habits, and just not thinking about um, comparing myself with other people. Um, But that all changed (laughs) the second time that I competed because Miss America um, went in a totally different direction, um, that year that they raised the age to 25. Um, so they called like their whole rebranding Miss America 2.0. And now they're not supposed to judge in any way, shape or form on a contestant's appearance or a candidate's appearance. Oh, really? Yeah. So, um, they're not supposed to judge on that whatsoever. Um, it really is just all about, you know, what she brings to the table, um, in terms of her interview skills, her talent, um, her ability to, you know, be an ambassador for the Miss America organization, um, state level organization. So um, with that, they removed the swimsuit competition um, and 
um, this past year that I competed, actually, like, I'm always like, the Lord did that just for me because they raised talent um, to 50% my last year that I competed. So I obviously think, even though I was well-rounded and versed in other areas of competition, I do feel like that was obviously a big reason why I did very, very well. Um, and then the year after, they moved it back to 35%. Um, they didn't bring back some suit, but they kind of like divvied up, you know, the categories. Um, so it was only 50% for that one year for my last year, um, which is really cool. But I, I feel like not having to focus so much on my appearance and knowing that that part of the competition was being taken away allowed me to to be way more comfortable and way more relaxed and really be myself that second year around, which I, I really think that's why I did, you know, I was able to show my true self um, that time around. Yeah, I, I honestly don't think that I could do that because I'm so in my own head with comparison. Like I go to a pool party and I'm like, <laughs> what? but I really like what you said about make myself proud. Um, just because it really isn't about anybody else. Like your journey with health and fitness or body image, it really isn't about trying to make other people approve of you. It's about finding, finding acceptance and approval within yourself. And ultimately with, with your creator, knowing that like, your design, whether short, scoliosis, tall, whatever, is perfect for you. And to make yourself proud is, I feel like, a really beautiful message for women to hear. Yeah. And how have you felt like your years and your experience competing and being on stage has kind of translated into what you're doing now and, and, the, and the students that you pour into and, and all that? Mm-hmm. I think just going through, you know, different situations, different scenarios of, you know, being knocked down um, and having to come back from that um, has really helped me. It's funny because <laughs> I am someone just in those situations in competition, like I'm my own worst, you know, critic. And um, I really had to get a hang on like my negative self-talk to myself, like, it was just really bad. Like, I can't, I won't be able to, like, just, just negative. Um, and just on this journey, I've learned so much how much our words have power. And um, I <laughs> was talking to one of my students last week, because uh, I do teach private voice lessons as well. And she's working to um, audition for college um, colleges next year as a vocalist and we were working on something that isn't necessarily her strength. And she was just like freaking herself out. Like, I can't do this. I'm not good at this. I can't. I mean, that's all she kept saying. And I was like, girl, if you don't stop saying that you are literally feeding yourself that that is how you are going to do before you even open up your mouth and try and you're shutting yourself down. And so, I mean, there's just little things like that, that I have, you know, dealt with myself. Um, in terms of confidence um, in that realm that I'm able to just like pass on to the next performer, the next, you know, worship leader. Um, so that's been really awesome too. Yeah. That words, is. words are so powerful. They're so powerful. <laughs> they really are. Yeah. And self-talk is as well. Like we, you know, we talk about the power of your words and like community and all that, but the same goes for, the words you speak to yourself internally mm -hmm. and like the mental um, effects that that actually mm -hmm. has on your everyday well-being. So I was listening, I was listening to a sermon yesterday um, and I don't even remember his name, but the, he was talking about this pastor at their church had, was it what he played? He's like in his forties now, but he played football in high school and a coach told him during practice, like, Hey, I don't know what his name was. Jim, is that all you got? And the other coach said, yep, that's all he's got. And so for the last 20 years, mm -hmm. that dialogue that he heard from one random football practice has been repeated in his mind with everything. Like if you're pursuing a job, pursuing a college, pursuing a wife, all of that is like, no, nah, this is all I got. Like, I'm not worth anything more. And he had to really like break those chains. And like you said, Chelsea, 
re like connect or correct his own self-talk to, to correct what was actually said about him and make those lies go away and the truth come in. So yeah, words are just like, isn't that crazy though? Like we forget so many things over the course of our life, but like one negative thing that we heard, yeah. no matter how long it ago it was, it can be something that's like reoccurring. For sure. It's insane if you think about it. And that's why like the Bible says like your tongue is your most like powerful weapon for evil <laughs> and good, you know, it could go both ways. So, okay. So you're doing pageants, you're pursuing music, you're working at a church, you're teaching, and then you're also becoming a little entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about your journey with starting your own business. Yeah. And um, is there anything you don't do? <laughs> uh, honestly, no. <laughs> um, it's, it's really, I mean, gosh, like just even sitting here talking about this year is like crazy that all these things have happened. But, um, so I started Mary Kay, I think it was four years ago. And I honestly just did it because if you didn't know this, teachers in North Carolina are not balling. <laughs> and I just wanted to um, honestly be able to have a little bit of extra money so I wasn't having to hit up my parents at the end of the month. And um, I was like, I'm just, I mean, this seems cool, like makeup and skincare, like that seems nice. And so um, I started with it and, you know, I was pretty good at it. I built a, a good customer base relatively quickly. And um, I think I liked the fact that it was something that I could do for myself that was like, I didn't have, it didn't take a whole, whole lot of like mental, you know, exertion. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas me going to school um, and playing piano all day and singing and, you know, being a high school teacher has its own set of <laughs> Um, craziness. Um, It was just something that I could do to just take my mind off of those things. And so I worked it just on the side for, I mean, four years. And one of the most awesome things to me about it is just the community um, that you develop within this business. And I had, you know, women in my close circle who I looked at. And um, one of the things that we always say in Mary Kay is like, never take advice from someone you don't want to trade places with. And so I was seeing all these women in my life who were, you know, had flexible schedules, were going places when they wanted to go. And I just like desperately craved, it wasn't even necessarily like to make a whole lot of money or to drive a car or anything, anything like that. I just, all of my time and energy was going into teaching because I was teaching chorus and orchestra, which is normally two people's job in one job. Um, and I just wanted time. And so I got to the end of that third year. Um, it was after Miss North Carolina. And I was like, I really just got first runner up. Like, what? <laughs> like, last year I, did, I, I didn't place, uh, but I got some awards, which is, you know, very awesome. It was an honor to compete on the stage in general. But I just really worked hard and I got first runner up. Like, I'm wondering if I can, you know, take that same level of confidence and go up the career path in Mary Kay, follow kind of like what my mentors and the women that I was looking up to at that time. If I could, you know, do this to replace my teaching income to what I have more time to do what I want to do, uh, to write the songs, to be able to pour more into ministry, to potentially, you know, go to church and be a intern. Um, it, the possibilities in my mind, I just like could not stop thinking about it. And you know, when I first started teaching, I was like, I'm not teaching for more than a year. Two years came, not teaching for more than two years. And I was at the end of my third year and I was like, am I going to keep saying this? Or am I going to do something about it? So I made the decision to quit my job <laughs> before I had even replaced my income, did not have a lot of money saved in the bank. I was just like, I'm just going to do this. Like, I'm just doing it. It's now or never. And so I told my parents, <laughs> So my parents and my mom, she kind of freaked out a little bit. Um, but I know it was from a place of, you know, just wanting me to be okay. Um, and then my dad, uh, my dad's whole side of the family is like very much like entrepreneurial. And so he was like, I mean, as long as you have a plan. And so my plan was Mary Kay, I was going to open up my own voice studio, um, to like have private voice students. And I was going to, um, do pageant coaching as well, like talent consulting. 
And I started that in July. And fast forward six months, I was um, a Mary Kay sales director, which is the top 2% of the company. And um, just earned my first car. Um, this what? Yeah. You're getting radio? Yes, and air conditioning. <laughs> right now, I do have AC. I just can't use it at stoplights. I got to gas it a little bit. <laughs> so um, I'm so excited about that. I'll be getting my car in a couple months. But I mean, there were obviously some challenges along the way. Most definitely, I will not dispute that this has been the hardest year of my life. Um, not only in the business realm, but personally it has. Um, and it, it, but it has been the one of the most gross, uh, for sure in, in all areas. So, yeah, I think that's really, well, one awesome, but also important for people to hear, um, especially listeners who like are, we have a lot of listeners who have these big dreams of wanting to start their own business or find a career that gives them that time and balance in life and that they're actually passionate about. And I think that two things, one, we hear from a lot of guests, like you just got to go for it. So that whole, like, I'll just teach this year and then this year, but then finally you quitting was like what propelled you to like actually put in the like true grit and hustle to get to that whatever level you just said, highest, I don't second highest. Um, but then also having a plan, you know? So there's two things. There's like, there's taking that like faith step of like, I trust you God with this next journey, but also I'm going to use like the resources you've given me and the brain you've given me to come up with a plan so that I don't treat this dilly dally, you know, like it's just no big deal. Cause this is a big deal and I want to steward it well. So I like that you kind of mixed in <laughs> both. Yeah. I was going to say it's, it's awesome because <clears throat> we always say like, you don't have to have it all figured out, but at some point something's got to give where, you know, you might not have like all the money saved up in the bank or you might not have, a very, very clear picture of what every day is going to look like, or this like security blanket type of situation. Because a lot of times it's just not realistic when, when you were juggling all that other stuff on your plate, like there just physically wasn't the space or the capacity for you to get to that point. Otherwise you might've been doing that another five years, you know, who knows how long it would take. So sometimes it's just stepping out and create actually physically creating that space for you to be able to have the energy and the time and like the excitement to put everything and into what, you know, ultimately got you to where you are now. So that's really awesome. You're like the prime, prime example for that. (laughs) Yeah, it was totally do or die. I was like, I'm not, if I'm not going to do it right now, I I never am. So Mm -hmm. if I crash and burn, like if everything goes downhill, I have my teaching license. Like I can always, always, always be a teacher. But right. I- and you know, you also know, like I tried. Sometimes the what ifs are harder than the trying and failing. I feel like, what if I had done that? You know, you never know until you try. So yeah. I think that's awesome. I'm really proud of you. I, I read your post and immediately after reading that post about like quitting my job and getting to this level and all this, I was like, I don't know how I haven't thought of this before, but like Jared needs to be a guest on this podcast. Like, and I Facebook message, I was like, I'm, I don't even think I have your number, but we can be guests. Like, you're awesome. Thank you. Um, all right. So transitioning into kind of what's going on in the world right now, and I'm sure has you've been facing your entire life, this new modern civil rights movement of Black, Black Lives Matter. Um, you're Black, obviously. Yes. Um, <laughs> how has this movement, um, like how's it stirred up your soul and also like, what has it taught you or impressed on you to like do moving forward and, or educate moving forward? Like just Mm -hmm. kind of share your experience with it and however you want to encourage people in that. Yeah. Um, well, I, I honestly, like I'm a type of person I feel like I'm a suppressor of things. And so in 
all of the things that I've done in the different realms that, that I've, outlets that I've participated in, you know, there's things that have been said, there's things that have been done, whether they were like microaggression racism or whether it was like blatant racism. Um, like for, in, for example, competing, I had my roommate actually one day when we were getting ready um, one year sang the N-word in a song, like while we were preparing for competition. And it's like, the choice that, that you have to make, am I going to like allow, am I going to allow this to like totally upset me and steer me from what I know I have to do tonight? Am I going to address it? And I feel like in pageants in everyday life, I mean, there's been so many different scenarios that most of the time, if it's something that's blatant, I, I will speak up, but I do feel like there's a lot of things that, you know, has happened to me or people have said to me or done that I've kind of just like let slide by and, you know, not spoken up, not said anything and more like distance myself from that situation instead of taking that time to advocate for myself and to stand up for myself and to, you know, let somebody know that that's not okay. And so I think that, you know, I'm thinking about the day um, that Ahmad Arbery was shot. Um, I probably went into like, it was like a two week period of just like the heaviest morning. Like it was just, I could not think about anything else. Even talking about it right now is like kind of making me emotional, but I could not think about anything else. I could not, like I was barely eating. I was like weeping all the time. It just like sprung up kind of all of these different situations. I could see myself, you know, at 11 years old, somebody saying this to me in college, this happening to me, um, literally in, <laughs> in a pageant scenario, one of the, um, executive directors of my committee asked me when I wore my natural hair, um, at an appearance, if I was going to comb my hair, for my appearance. So it's like so many things, all of these things were like coming up at one time and it was just so much to deal with. Um, but I was lucky enough in that sense to have friends that were, you know, it's kind of like this wildfire of people who necessarily didn't speak up before, say anything before, were now like coming alive in that sense. So I really feel like for me, it's been somewhat of an awakening um, because I've been able to have, I mean, tough conversations with people, um, even ones that I've been like crying through the whole time because it's so new for me, but I've been able to allow myself to, to heal um, from a lot of the, those different things that I have never like dealt with this opportunity and you know, everything that's going on right now and everyone talking about it and it being at the surface has allowed me to heal in some way, but it's totally allowed me to become stronger and being willing to advocate for myself, to speak up for myself, to educate um, people on what's right and what's wrong. And um, yeah, it's, it's heavy for sure. And, <laughs> and um, I've had to, you know, navigate the balance of that and trying to not let it totally shut me down emotionally so that I'm able to do other things that I need to do. But, um, it's been a very like traumatic, um, time, but it's also been a very healing time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I feel, thank you for sharing. I feel like a lot of people, black, white, no matter what color have also felt the heaviness of this time and also the healing of this time, like as hard as it is to like go through these un horrific deaths and, and things happening in our society. It is really also silver lining important for us to learn these things and finally get to a breaking point of like, it is time to break these chains and to really like understand the ignorance as a white person that I've been living in or um, as a, learning how as a black person, you've what you've experienced, you know, these like little things that I didn't experience. So I think that healing is going to be 
a long road and it's going to be gritty. Yeah. But I think that the beautiful thing about this modern civil rights movement is that there's movement. Right. You know, like I'm, I'm for one, like excited that we, at first it was like, whoa, like this is a lot, but now I'm excited that I get to live in a generation that gets to experience Mm -hmm. this growth and healing. And I don't know. I, I'm sure it's like a completely another level for you, but it's just been really eye opening for me, even as a white person to see all this movement and, and movement actually taking place, you know, not just like pausing at a mod and like going backwards, but instead continuing to move forward. Right. It's encouraging to hear too, that you have, you know, as heavy as it was for you and, and groundbreaking and, and, you know, gut wrenching as it was that you have found healing in it, because I think in the midst of it, like in the, in the thick of when all these things are happening and coming up and circulating on the media and social media, it almost felt like we were just so stuck because like we had another guest come on and share about her experience. And it was almost like things that she had never even thought of before or felt in her own neighborhood were now like surfacing. And it almost felt like, yes, this is, this is good that we're awakening and becoming aware of these things. But now it's like, it's almost like she was taking a step in the opposite direction because now it was bringing up all these things that she had never even, you know what I mean? Like, like she she thought of before subconsciously. Like for instance, she never felt unsafe running in her neighborhood. And Mm -hmm. then obviously the the story comes up and she's like, wow, I've never really felt scared until now. So, so it's just like discouraging that like in the midst of something that we could be used for light and movement and moving forward was also like such a heavy thing for people in, in that community that, I don't know. It just seemed like, like, how do we move forward from here? So it just makes my heart really happy to hear that you have felt that, that healing because it was just starting to feel like, oh my gosh, how are we ever going to move forward and and make strides? And I think it's, it's definitely starting to happen. And um, yeah, I just appreciate you sharing that. Of course. I definitely think, you know, it starts with with real genuine open conversations like and just being a facilitator of that and being someone who is willing to listen and to educate yourself are so so vitally important um it's i've actually thought about this a lot um because you know ahmad George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, like these stories have taken, I've seen, I've seen more unity on these like situations, these current situations than I have, you know, in the years and years that this same exact thing has been happening. And I, I've wondered, you know, why, why now, like knowing the stories about Eric Gardner, Trayvon Martin, Sandra Bland, like, I'm glad that we are getting to a point where, you know, we can start having these conversations and people's eyes are being opened. Um, But at the same time, I always wonder, like, you know, this is, this is not new. (laughs) Yeah. Like what makes this time different? Yeah. I wonder that too. I said the same thing when all this started, I was like, I'm glad it is. And I'm not trying to take away from like the beauty that is coming of this, but like, what's different, you know, like what, how is this not new? Unfortunately, I wish it was, but it's not. And I think obviously God's going to use it and it's, it's been making moves, but it is so interesting to think, man, what, what has made this, this whole movement or the from these specific instances that obviously have have happened and in, in, in its history repeating itself so I, I don't just, know that we'll ever know the answer <laughs> to be honest 
I just hope that history doesn't continue and we can like for future generations see like a better tomorrow for our children and for us, you know, like I, I just believe, and we've said this on the podcast before that like God is so for everyone. And, and I just wish that everyone could just see everyone through God's eyes, you know, cause then we would have this, this, level of like love that we're supposed to see people through and that we just have so many blinders uh because of hate and it's just like it pisses me off <laughs> like why can't you just like see someone through god's eyes and i just i yearn for the day when like we can just all love each other like god loves his children like jesus didn't show partiality in fact he like ran towards the marginalized you know and it just it like boils my blood <laughs> in like a good way for change, you know, but just like a, it's boiling, you know? One of my friends like has gotten me just declaring this and talking about the power of words, but you know, just saying that like racism will end in my lifetime. Like I will yeah. the end of racism in my lifetime. And it's just been something that I've just like been meditating on and speaking aloud because I do feel like, you know, this is, this is an awakening, um, in the church and our country, um, and hearts, you know, everywhere. So. And I truly believe that too. Like I've been trying to speak that, um, speak that out too. Like even just towards any inequality, like it will end in our lifetime. Like we have the power to change it. If we just choose to act, move and act and move in love. You know, like we can really, we really have more power than we think we have, you know? Mm-hmm. So thanks for sharing. Um, I know that it's, it's heavy and it's hard, but just hearing from a black woman about your experience, I know that it will speak to so many of our listeners. So I'm, I'm really thankful for that. Yeah. Um, what else? Is there anything else you want to share with us before we get into our fun four questions? That's every guest. Um, well, I just want to say thank you for inviting me on here because I do listen to y'all's podcast sometimes. And when you asked me, I felt really famous. So, <laughs> well, well, you are going to be famous one day. You are now. This, yeah. this is benefiting us because we can say one day that you were on our podcast. <laughs> once you like, you know, you're at the Grammys. Like a reoccurring guest in the future. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, you could be our co-host. <laughs> I love it. I'll have to like actually like I feel like I would be lying because I don't work out or eat right, so I would have to do that. For- you know what? <laughs> I haven't been lately either. <laughs> I don't remember the last time I worked out. To be honest with you, so the Corona Couch podcast. Yeah, good. We'll, yeah, we'll change the we'll change the vibe. We'll yeah. change the category. <laughs> we'll no longer be in health and wellness. <laughs> Um, well, we have four questions that we ask every single guest. So we're going to ask you today. First question is what is something that you're currently obsessed with or binging right now? Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to say this sounds so basic, Ugh, but Hamilton. Okay. But hear me out. Hamilton's big. I watch Hamilton. I don't like liking things that everybody else likes. It's a weird thing that I, I have. So when it first came out, and I watched it on Disney Plus, my first reaction, I was not that impressed, okay? But I think it's because I was having a really stressful day when I watched it, and it just, like, once I actually sat down to watch it, I was already annoyed. But I watched it, and I was like, this did not live up to the hype at all for me, and then I started listening to the soundtrack, and it's all I've listened to for, like, the past five days straight, and I'm annoying everyone in my life. (laughs) Well, I had the same thought, because I love musical theater, Mm -hmm. and I love like live shows so I was like is this gonna be like the same vibe as like when you see a show live because that's like one of that's on my list of shows I want to see yeah have you watched it I haven't watched it yet because of the because of that reason because I'm like it's not live I have to ask too I know this is not even remotely close to what you're but this this was brought up because I was thinking about Netflix and binging (laughs) do you watch this being in the pageant world Huh? Did you get into the show Insatiable? I have no idea what that is. Okay. <laughs> have you watched it, Catherine? No, I've never heard of it. 
It's with Debbie Ryan. She was like an old Disney Channel star. Yeah. Um, and it's this, it's like the weirdest show, but it's about the pageant world. And she's got this pageant coach and they have this like crazy weird twisted relationship going on. And, and then it becomes like murder mystery as well. And true. It's a true story. No, no, no. It's a, it's like oh. a Netflix series. Okay. I was like, dang. Um, and it's all like based in the South and in, in, it's all about the pageant world. And, but there's all these like crazy twists and it's, it's, it's one of those shows where you're like, what is actually happening? But it just sucks you in. And then you're, you're just done. It's really good. There's two seasons out. So I, I recommend. I love crime shows. So I'm in. Yeah, that sounds good. It's I, like com- comedic still, though. Okay. We watch reality TV, so if it's <laughs> if it's not reality, I have to like really force myself to get into it. Okay. We well, just- maybe coming from the pageant world, you'll you'll have like your own, you know, connection to it in that way. It probably is like nothing like it actually is in real life, but but I'm gonna try it anyway. Yeah. All I watch, all I watch is reality TV. Everyone makes fun of me because that's literally, I just watch like Bravo and The Bachelor and Keeping Up with Kardashians and Yes, those are my Atlanta. I mean, that's all I watch is reality. Okay, is Housewives of Atlanta good? I've only, I just started Beverly Hills. It's my first season of Real Housewives ever. You've and never seen Real Housewives of Atlanta? You no, have I've never seen any of them. So I started Beverly Hills and I'm like, this is what I've been waiting for. They're great. Like, all of them, like, on any of the Real Housewives are insane. Like, they're all crazy, but it's so good. You have to watch it. I did a, um, I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast last week, but I did an impression of Dorit from Beverly Hills last week on Instagram. My, like, brother-in-law filmed me doing it, put it on Instagram, tagged her, and she DM'd us. Oh, my God. I was like, I'm famous. You're famous. <laughs> you're famous. I don't even know who that is because I don't watch Beverly Hills, but you're still famous. She's big. Um, okay, next question. Sorry, that was like such a tangent, but next question. Um, what is something that you're looking forward to this year? Ew, well, I'm hoping to get a man's, but (laughs) (laughs) But that's, you know, unpredictable. Honest response, though. I love it. Yeah, I'm hoping that 26 is the year that the Lord is gonna make it happen. I feel good about that. He likes to take his time so mm-hmm. he took it's his time and good out of 2020 you know yeah you know <laughs> <laughs> oh I love it um okay our next question is what is something that you love about yourself Ooh. um I definitely think my resilience for sure um whether that is, you know, from me dealing with the spinal disorder I had or, you know, losing friendships or quitting my job and going through some rough months. I mean, I feel like I am a very, like, I come back stronger from the situations that I go through and I use them to propel myself and not as like a necessarily a bad thing but something that's gonna move me forward I love that no one's ever asked me that before I love that question I love that you were able to answer it so quickly yeah we have some we have some girls it's and I think it would be the hardest for me it's the hardest question for them to answer because it's like nobody ever asks you or you rarely ever say what you actually like about yourself you usually say things to beat yourself down. So we want to speak life into each other through that question. Asking people yeah. that. That's good. Our last question is if you could tell women one thing today, what would it be? Yeah, that's a hard one. <laughs> um, I would just say that no matter, you know, what you think about yourself, what you are able to do, um, there is nothing that you can't do. Like you can literally set your mind to anything and accomplish it. Um, with the help of God, <laughs> you can do anything that you want to. I really believe that. Love that. Mm-hmm. All right, Jer, I know you're going to get a lot of followers after this. Where can people find you on Instagram? What's your handle? 
Ooh, okay. My Instagram is at Jaren A. Rochelle, which I mean. Spell it out. Spell right. Okay. <laughs> um, it's J-E-R-E-N-A-E-R-A-C-H-E-L-L-E. Awesome. Is there any other things you want to plug, like websites or um, any I don't other know if I've paid for my Squarespace this month, so. <laughs> 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 so if you type it in, it might not come up, but you can go to jerryrayford.com. <laughs> If you, you know, are inquiring about music lessons or pageant coaching, um, and if you're in the need for some new skincare or makeup, you can always go to marykay.com slash jrayford. Awesome. We'll put all those links in the show notes so that people can um, click it and not have to listen how to spell your name over and over and over again. But um, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Chris, this was so fun. Loved hanging out with you, even from a distance. so fun. You're the best. Love your story. And I know it's going to touch so many people's hearts. Oh, thank you guys so much. All right, listeners, we will talk to you next week. Bye.